music, athletics, arts, and entertainment. The Desert Tiger Podcast with Colton Geschwagner. Holy hole in a donut, you guys. Like, seriously, absolutely, incredibly, you are amazing. Over 30%. Over 30% is what the DTP has grown in March alone. And that is has a very, 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 very large part to do. Well, actually, it has every th- single thing to do with you guys, the listeners, the subscribers, the people who are tuning in. You guys are so incredible, and thank you so much. For helping blow this thing up, for smashing that subscribe button, for sharing it on your social media with your friends, with your family, letting people know about the podcast. This is pretty much all because of you guys. And thank you so much for caring about this, this community called Desert Tiger. And I'm so glad that you guys are enjoying the product and the interviews the entertainers that we're introducing you to or maybe get letting you get to know a little bit better so with that being said we're extremely thankful for you guys wherever you're from whatever you're listening on whoever you are thank you for tuning in once again like my main man said at the beginning of the show, his name's Jesse, and my name is Colton G. Welcome to episode 29 of the Desert Tiger podcast, and today on the podcast, my guest, well, my guests, is going to be four members of the band Shred Kelly. Today I'm going to be joined by Tim Newton, Sage McBride, Jordan Vlashert and Ty West. We're going to get a little bit more into who they are, what they do into the band, and everything else like that once we jump into the interview. But of course, I'm going to give you a little bit of a bio on the band. We're going to jump into some music. We're going to have a great time. We're going to get into the interview. You guys know what the dealio is here on the DTP. So let's get into it. Soaked in electric crescendos and folk tinge sing-along anthems, Shred Kelly is known for their high-energy live show that ignites dance floors with their alternative folk sound. Over four albums and countless tours, the British Columbians have developed their signature sound by taking inspiration from the mountains they hail from and the people who inhabit them. Shred Kelly have seamlessly fused traditional instrumentation with modern rock, presenting a sound that is both unique and compelling. Shred Kelly has produced their most ambitious project yet with their fourth and most recent album, Archipelago. A word that you are going to see I have a little bit of trouble with in this episode. The collaborative songwriting of the members of the band have pulled inspiration from individual experiences and musical influences. The result is a dynamic and cohesive collection of dreamy, 
yet explosively exciting songs dipped in themes of relationships and the world in a modern age. Using traditional instrumentation at the base of the songwriting, the album explodes into a symphony of sounds incorporating banjos, ukuleles, synthesizers, guitar hooks, harmonies, and pulsing beats. Their high-energy sound has allowed them to perform at many Canadian and international festivals, including North by Northeast, South by Southwest, Reeperbahn, Winnipeg Folk Festival, Breakout West, just to name a few, and the group has also achieved a growing list of awards and recognition, including five Kootenai Music Awards, and one Western Canadian Music Award, over 1 million Spotify plays, recognition on the CBC, and media attention in Canada, the USA, and Germany. And hopefully we can push that a little bit further with this interview today. Okay, so we need to take care of business. We're going to play some music, and we're going to get into our interview with Tim, Sage, Ty, and Jordan of Shred Kelly. So first off, you guys need to know that by take care of business, I mean we need to tell you about the great companies that allow me to bring you the Desert Tiger podcast for free every single Thursday, every single week. And you guys also know that Of course, I speak of collar and elbow, the comfortable, awesome-looking, wrestling-inspired streetwear company where you will save 10% if you use the code DTP when you are checking out. And you also know that I am talking about Audible. You guys know how much I love Audible, how much I love audiobooks because I am constantly working, driving, working out, doing all sorts of different things that constantly involve not being able to actually look at a book. So you guys know that I love audiobooks. That's why we teamed with Audible. And if you guys go to www.audible.com DTP, you're going to get one free month of Audible plus one free audiobook to get you started. All right. Now, we are going to play some music for you. Let's get some Shred Kelly into your ears. Let's get you enjoying it so you can get a taste of the band before we jump into this interview with four of the members. So we're going to start off with the title track from the latest album. This is Archipelago.
the Desert Tiger Podcast. We are here with the members of Shred Kelly. Do you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves and what you do in the band, please? <laughs> All right. I'm uh, Sage McBride, and I play keyboards and sing. I'm Tim Newton. I play the banjo, ukulele, and I sing. I'm Ty West, and I play guitar. My name's Jordan, and I play bass and other things that need playing. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, if you guys would like to paint the picture for our listeners of how did Shred Kelly come together? Okay. Um, well, we all moved to uh, Fernie, British Columbia, which is a small town in D.C. It's a little ski town. Uh, we all moved there individually um, without knowing each other. We met there just through... Um, a jam night that I was running, mm-hmm. and uh, at, a, at a bar called the Brick House, and I had just bought a banjo, so I was kind of just learning it, and I was um, writing some simple songs on it and bringing it to the jam night, and uh, so these guys would come every week and and uh, sort of uh, join in on the, the the songs that I had written, and mm-hmm. and after a while, after a whole ski season of uh, playing these songs in front of her uh, friends in the town. Um, a uh, promoter from down the street saw us uh, kind of playing and said, I need an opening act. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he booked us for our very first show. And uh, it, was, it was awesome. It was good. Awesome. So that was kind of set, set us on a path of uh, eight years later. Okay, <laughs> cool. So what kind of made you decide to pick up a banjo? Um, you know what? It, it's funny because I was a drummer before I played the banjo. And mm-hmm. I, I never had through my life uh, pictured myself playing that instrument, but one day I was um, walking by a pawn shop mm-hmm. with my buddy Steve, and uh, there just happened to be one in the window. And I had just started listening to a couple bands that I really liked, like Elliot Brood and Old Man Ludica, who are banjo sort of uh, players, or, or a band with a banjo in it and a banjo player. And um, I, I just kind of, it was. I, I, there's something about the instrument that I, it looked cha- it looked like a challenge. It looked like a something mm-hmm. I didn't have much going on at the time other than this jam night, and uh, I was kind of unemployed, so I was like, oh, yeah, this this will be a fun project. And so uh, I bought the banjo that day for like 250 bucks. It was like a, a crappy old used banjo, and mm-hmm. uh, and I spent the next like year just trying to m- master it because it's actually a really hard instrument. It's like it's like strange strange instrument you know it's kind of like half a drum yeah it's like it's like a drum with a a neck and strings and it's got five strings instead of you know like traditional six or yeah sort of sitting right in between a traditional guitar and a traditional bass yeah it's got this like weird short string halfway up the neck and so i mean um just learning to play the instrument just became an obsession and uh yeah that that's pretty much uh the inspiration and like I as I was learning it I kind of um, I was never really too much into folk music or, or anything like bluegrass that before that mm-hmm. um, as I said I liked some some sort of like of the the, the indie players that were using it um, with uh, in Canadian modern music but I had never really grown up on folk or bluegrass yeah so when I was learning the techniques I kind of I just sort of modified it into my own style and and um used what i was learning into like the stuff i knew which was like 
alternative rock and punk, mm-hmm. punk and stuff like that. So yeah. Okay, so you weren't like really trying to follow any traditional banjo player or anything of that sort. Not at all. I was trying to like te- master like the uh, the picking patterns mm-hmm. and then play them as fast as I can. Okay. <laughs> Just and then and then I could hear how that you know like that sort of foot stomp bluegrass folk. Um, tempo could be sped up into like the music I liked, and and I could just hear something out of the the tone of the instrument and the the picking that I was doing that uh, could be, um, yeah, made into songs that I wanted to write. Okay. Yeah. So you said that you all sort of ended up in Fernie. So mm-hmm. where are you all originally from then? Um, I'm originally from Menaki, Ontario, which is a little town near Kenora, Ontario, mm-hmm. which is a little town near Winnipeg, Manitoba. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on that side of the, the Manitoba side of the Ontario border okay. is where I grew up. Um, I, I grew up in Southern Ontario in a town called Richmond Hill. Um, and, uh, it's sort of like a, it's, it's just North of Toronto mm-hmm. about half an hour. And I grew up uh, in a, a small town outside of Sarnia, Ontario, right on uh, Lake Huron. Continuing with the small town theme, I'm from <laughs> a small town called Lakefield, just outside of Peterborough, Ontario. Okay, so uh, all of you guys are from Ontario. Yes. How did you end up in BC? Skiing. Mountain we wanted life. to be ski bums. Fair enough. Fernie's the perfect place for that then, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, well, Tim, Jordan, and I all moved to Fernie separately to be ski bums. Um, And then we kind of, but we were all doing music just for fun Mm -hmm. as a project on the side when we lived there. And then we, once we started touring in a band, we were going to Nelson and it quickly became one of our favorite places that we were playing on tour. And it had the friendliest bartender in the world, which was this guy over here, Ty West. And (laughs) we, uh, when we needed a new guitar player, we, uh, he was touring through Fernie with another band. And so we asked him if he was interested in helping us out and uh, luckily he was and now we're now we've been together ever since (laughs) (laughs) awesome okay so did you guys get into writing the first album right away or was that something that like you guys automatically had as an idea was like let's write some songs that we can record and make something of this or was that something that just sort of progressed into it yeah, I think I think um, the very first album was I had written a whole bunch of songs that we were doing at that jam night, and mm-hmm. uh, so we had a handful of them. But we were also doing a lot of covers just to fill up a set, and we were mainly just playing um, locally around Fernie, and and uh, so we hadn't really left town yet. But the the catalyst of recording the first album was booking our very first tour outside of Fernie, going across Canada. We need something to sell at the shows and whatnot. So, well. Uh, I guess uh, that sort of got us into uh, writing mode, but at the time it was still. Um, I think I was the, the the main songwriter, and I was I was presenting songs to the band, and and we they'd put their flavor on it in the jam room, and then we'd uh, you know rehearse rehearse them out. And uh, our first record we recorded in this like we we went to Montana, mm-hmm. and it's a straw bale. House. Yeah, we. <laughs> We recorded with a really awesome guy named Greg Grant, and uh, he, it was an off the gr- off the grid recording studio mm-hmm. made of uh, straw bale construction. So it kind of looked like a Hobbit house, 
something like Bilbo Baggins would live in. And uh, it was a really cool studio, but um, we did the, the recording over many uh, sessions for our first album, Goodbye July. And uh, yeah, it was cool. We forgot to introduce everyone to Tucker. There's also Tucker, Tucker the dog yes. is here with us as well. Yes, he's making a lot of noise in the background. So if you, if you hear random noises. Random. Or heavy breathing. Heavy breathing. <laughs> it is not us. Okay, so you say that originally you were presenting the songs. How has the band transitioned their songwriting since the beginning then? Has it become more of a group effort then? Sure, yeah. Every album that we've put out, uh, more and more members have been uh, involved in the writing process. I mean, everybody's always been involved in the writing process in some form, but as each album has gone on, more people have like written whole songs and presented it, you know, and uh, we've, or we've been doing a lot of... Uh, you know, just uh, jamming stuff out in the rehearsal space mm -hmm. and uh, letting the songs evolve as a group as well. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's been really amazing because I think it's all of us come from different um, musical backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really cool to hear what people bring to the table and then, and then uh, what we can do with it from there. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. So with the new album... Um, Sorry if I... That's okay. <laughs> Archipelago? <I guess> you <laughs> yeah, it was I'm close. Really it was close. Nice. Archipelago. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as it is. Um, so for that album, where did you guys record that? Um, we recorded it. Um, we met a couple of guys in... We did this thing in Vancouver a few years ago, a few years ago called the Peak Performance Project. And we okay. met a few guys there. One was named Josh Rob William. Um, and he works at a studio called OCL Studios in Calgary, and then Howard Redekop was there as well, and he owns a studio in Vancouver. So we did part of the recording in Calgary, um, the bed tracks with Josh, and then we did um, the vocal overdubs and some instrumental overdubs with Howard in Vancouver. Um, and we kind of did the album over the course of... It was almost a year, I think, until it was like from when we first started recording to when it was actually... Um, pressed and in our or when it was being sent off to be pressed so mm -hmm. uh, yeah we we had a little bit more time to kind of work on the songs and bring them home and think about them and we had like just little sessions so it was neat because in the past we've only ever just gone and recorded for 20 days straight and this yeah. time we kind of did it over a year so yeah I don't know it definitely took longer <laughs> it was harder to get the product or it took longer to get the product out but it was it was neat that we had some time to like sit on the songs and listen mm -hmm. to them and decide if we wanted to like add or edit some things whereas in the past we've just gone in and then that was sort of that was the time that we had to record it and then mm -hmm. it was just whatever we did in that 20 days was going to be on the record and this time we kind of got to be like oh let's go back I kind of want to redo that part or I heard something else and so that was kind of neat to have the time to do it okay so it gave you guys a little bit more time to be more organic type thing mm -hmm. yeah and just kind of come up with more ideas I think and like just try some other things that I think in the in the past we were uh, due to budget and time constraints we were just like whatever we had written at the time was just going to go on there but this time yeah there, it just gave us more time to sort of really listen to the songs and see what they were missing or what they needed or if they were 
um, lacking something when we played them back and what we could do to kind of like bring out the sound that we wanted to get, I think. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your guys's lyrics and that. Um, so for the uh, album's lead track, I'm going to butcher the name again. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So take me into that a little bit. Like, what was the lyrics for that about? That's uh, it's funny. Um, I always write the lyrics last. It's the last thing I do. Okay. I always write the music uh, and compose everything first. Write it right down to like having a full song without lyrics, and then and I, I tend to um, put uh, the lyrics as uh, the last sort of flavor based on how the song feels. And um, that one just seemed to have like a cruisy kind of feel. And Sage and I had just gotten back from Sweden. Because um, we had toured through Germany, and uh, we had a few days, we we took a week off to go visit friends in Sweden, and the, our friends uh, live right in Stockholm, and they they took us to this cabin um, on a lake about two hours from Stockholm. Okay. And actually, no, sorry, it wasn't a lake; it was the ocean. It was the it was right on the ocean side. But if you were um, on the dock mm-hmm. of this of this uh, cabin on this on the ocean you'd swear you're in like Ontario because mm. it looked exactly the same it, it was like in fact like I the whole um, environment around us just reminded me so much of Canada mm. and we saw a moose and there was northern lights and it was like I feel like I'm home right now mm. and so that sort of spurred the um, the uh, the chorus of the song which is um, it was not all that different in the archipelago. And the archipelago is, is just means a chain of islands. Okay. So, and that's why the ocean felt like lakes, because uh, if you're ever in like northern Ontario, it's just like millions of lakes, right? Mm-hmm. And so it almost feels like you're among, uh, you know, a thousand islands. And that's what the, the archipelago in Sweden felt like, too. So, um, yeah, it was just, a, it was just sort of a, a song based on one experience, and, and um, it was a lovely experience, um, which made me just sort of reflect on how um yeah you could be um thousands of miles away from home but feel mm-hmm. like you're still there awesome that's very cool <laughs> yeah all right um let's go into what personally is probably my favorite song okay Sing for the night oh yeah yeah tell yeah. me about the lyrics for that one sure that's a funny song because um again i wrote the the music first mm-hmm. and um a lot of my songwriting is done uh I, you know it's it's easy to get uh, distracted in life, so I do a lot of my songwriting at like three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and uh, at the time we were, I was living um, at a house with a garage that was sort of um, private, so I could go in there in the wee hours of the night and sing and rehearse and whatnot and write songs. And I, I would write, uh, you know, I'd do little demo recordings too of my ideas. And that that night, I had written the the music to sing to the night, but I hadn't I hadn't had the the words yet, and I was really struggling with mm-hmm. it. I was like, "What the heck is this song about?" And um, so, actually, it's kind of a song about just that being in a garage late night, not really knowing the direction you're going in. Mm-hmm. But the opening um, words of the song is like, uh, you know, um, I'm getting down, not in a good way. Um, if if I can make it here, I'll stay. Um, and then talking about ashes and bottle caps, I'm just literally and uh, talking about my surroundings in a garage at three in the morning. And then wow. I sing to the walls, I sing to the night. Mm-hmm. You know, this is um, 
literally what I'm seeing. But also, um, I had happened to be reading a book by Farley Mowat, okay. um, who uh, I had no idea. It, the, the book is called And No Birds Sing. Mm-hmm. And, or, sorry, And No Birds Sang. Okay. And it's about uh, the, the author's experience being a soldier in World War II. Mm-hmm. And the opening, I just happened to be sitting there and I opened the book and the opening line of the book is, uh, I grew up in Richmond Hill, Ontario, which is my, you know, mm-hmm. my hometown. So I, I, I really started, uh, you know, I got into the book a bit and, and read a chapter and, um, and then eventually over the next few days wrote the rest of the lyrics to the song, which is sort of about, um, you know, how, uh, how cool it is to be from, you know, sitting in this garage and reading this book about this, like, uh, classic Canadian author who um, experienced all this stuff before me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had just passed away, actually. Cool. It was just in the news yeah. that Farley Mowat had passed away. So I, I sort of made the song about my own uh, struggles with creativity mm-hmm. in the moment and also about uh, the passing of Farley Mowat, which had been a huge ins- inspiration in the sp- right in, at that moment in the garage. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of, but you'd never know it from the music video. That no. That's no, no. <laughs> I was actually going to go into the music videos next. Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, you guys have some very creative music videos. Do you guys plan those out yourselves, or...? Sometimes, but that one we had planned out ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, other times we've, we've actually hired production companies, too. Okay. Um, usually somewhere uh, close by, like Edmonton mm-hmm. or Calgary. And we've worked with some amazing uh, group uh, producers and uh, crews to uh, make music videos for our music. But some of them we've um, put together ourselves, and Sing to the Night was one of them. It was actually Sage that um, sort of conceptualized the script of everything. Hmm. Sort of mapped it all together, and then we just had to work backwards so we could film it all in one shot, getting down the mountain. And um, so at first we were like, "This is going to be a giant undertaking," but it uh, it came it came together because yeah, we just sort of like had to do a number of takes. So I think Jordan and Tim and I went up with the um, Dylan Siggers, who mm-hmm. was going to be filming. Uh, the video and so we just kind of like had to sort of act out what was going to happen then just map out where on the mountain we had to be so that we could get it all in one shot and then on the day of all the vol- it was everyone was just volunteering because it was pretty mm-hmm. low budget so we didn't really get a lot of rehearsals so on the day yeah. of we're just like you stand here and do this and then the dancers you stand here and do this and so and then I think we did it in seven, seven we tried seven takes and then we took the fifth one but dylan who was filming it he was just a rock star he was like at i think like what 21 or 22 at the time mm-hmm. and so he was like holding this 50 pound camera skiing backwards down the mountain and he would just we'd be like do you need to take a break after a take he's like no nope, just get me a red bull let's go again <laughs> you are a champion so it was definitely uh definitely are like credited a ton to him because he without his skill set and his drive it wouldn't have been really achievable (laughs) Mm -hmm. how challenging is it to get all that choreography and everything else down if you don't have much rehearsal time and say you only have like say seven or eight takes like that um it would be really a challenge because i think um Ty can probably speak to this because Jordan, Tim and I, we, we start the video. So we'd kind Mm -hmm. of be like in it from the beginning, but all the people at the bottom would be like, okay, 
that this take is working now we're like you guys were the people at the bottom being like <laughs> yeah we we hear that the video started and then about four minutes later everyone would come down the mountain and i think that was when everyone uh kind of had to turn their attention on and do the whole mantra of don't screw up don't screw up don't screw up <laughs> yeah after everyone else had made it down so far but uh we we worked with an amazing group of people that uh that learned the choreography and did a pretty good job there at the end awesome that's good it's good that like when you're working with somebody like volunteers that they're actually willing to put in the effort to make sure that you guys have a solid product mm -hmm. to produce yeah it was really cool actually because we we just kind of like put a call out on facebook in fernie like does anyone want to be in this video and we got all the costumes or uh, and so we like had like a change room and people could just come so we went to germany a few months later and there was uh or a year later and there was our very first show there there was a guy who had been one of the volunteers one of the dancers in the music video and he mm. was from germany but he had done a, a ski season in canada so kind of whenever we travel we'll meet up with people who are like i was in here singing to the night music video and they, they're all like people who don't live in fernie anymore they're all like people mm -hmm. who were just there seasonally so it's kind of cool to meet up with those people around the world now yeah definitely it's kind of cool how like the networking you end up doing ends up like working out that way where you never really end up realizing the web you weave yeah as you go through your music career totally yeah i think we're realizing that now more than ever we'll like meet we were just in australia a few mm -hmm. months ago and then we played a show in Nelson and there was a couple there who were like we were at your show in Cronulla Beach in Australia and so it's huh. really cool where you re-bump into people and sort of where it takes you and the, the people who kind of like follow you throughout or will come to your show even if it's like in a different place than when they saw you initially so it's pretty neat. Yeah it's really cool that people are willing to see you in multiple locations just to like find out like oh they're playing here tonight like awesome <laughs> yeah it's, it's cool to know that you guys like have like fans that are actually like willing to just drop whatever they're doing that night and just be like all right we gotta go to this show <gasps> definitely yeah we are grateful for that for sure <laughs> <laughs> the desert tiger podcast all right you guys you know we're gonna get right back into our interview with the members of shred kelly but of course we got to pay a few bills we got to take care of a little bit of business so first off i need to tell you guys about collar and elbow because they are one of the companies that are helping us bring you the desert tiger podcast for free every single week but have you guys checked out their new spring line yet? Have you checked out how fresh this clothing is? You've already heard me tell you about how comfortable these shirts are, these sweaters are, how just how soft they are on your skin. But have you checked out the web store yourself just to see how fresh this clothing is? Have you checked out the spring line yet? Have you put your eyes on that grizzled, world champion traditional style tee have you seen the often imitated never duplicated two lions t-shirt have you put your optic spams on that high risk maneuver t-shirt all of this stuff looks great and when you're checking out of the collar and elbow web store you're going to save yourself 10 percent if you use the code dtp 
It's that simple. You save yourself 10%. You get yourself some fresh, new, comfortable, stylish clothing from your friends on over a collar and elbow. Everybody wins. You have a great time. You look good. And that's what you truly want. Alright, so we're going to play some more Shred Kelly for you guys. That's right! Yeah! Get excited, get hyped, and don't ever look back! Alright, I hope you guys enjoyed that last track, Don't 
Ever Look Back by our guest today, Shred Kelly. We're going to get right back into that interview real soon, but I need to tell you guys a little bit about Audible. Audible is a great audiobook service that is hosted by Amazon, so you know they have lots of content. They literally have thousands on thousands on thousands of audiobooks for whatever it is you are into and you are looking for. Are you looking to get into the Ready Player One novel before you see the film? Well, guess what? You can do that on Audible. They have Game of Thrones. They have biographies for you. They have science fiction. They have fantasy. They have literally pretty much anything that you want that is a book in audiobook form. And if you head on over to www.audible.com DTP, you get one free audiobook plus one free month of the Audible service. To try it out, you can use that on whatever it is you want, whether it's that Ready Player One, whether you want to read some cheesy biography on some pop star, whatever it is you are into, www.audible.com DTP. Alright, now let's get back into this interview with Shred Kelly. The Desert Tiger Podcast. All right, so do you guys have any other cool stories or experiences from the roads? They don't even have to be good ones. <laughs> do you have any mediocre experiences? <laughs> we have a lot of mediocre experiences. <laughs> do you have any really cool ones? Um, there's, there's been so many over the years, like eight years in now. We've done countless tours. Um, but I don't know. Who are you? Every day is hilarious. Yeah, every, every day is an adventure. <laughs> we are actually, we discussed the idea the other day of starting a van podcast of just the things that we talk about in the van. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we don't, but... Um, we might lose our music <laughs> We might. <laughs> it would require a lot of... What would that be like? Likely. <laughs> what we're eating at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> what gas station we're at. A lot of chips crunching. That's yeah. yeah. Uh, we eat a lot of chips. Yeah. Um, we could pick up a, a different hitchhiker every day. <laughs> be a special, special guest. guest. Dave. Dave. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Hitchhiker. That would be, we did used to pick up lots of hitchhikers. We don't as much no. anymore. Maybe there's less hitchhikers, or we're just we like our space. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After, After a uh, while, you realize that space in the van is like uh, it's a it's a gold mine if you get if you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> Giving it away to random people just doesn't seem yeah. as important. <laughs> After a few runs of the van, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? Leg space really, really would be nice today. Yes. We're going to keep yes. our leg space today. But we have, well, yeah, we met well, one one hitchhiker that we picked out. Jordan tells his hitchhiker story best, I think, because we were in the vehicle behind you guys. So we didn't see Oh, in New Brunswick. Right? Oh, okay. Well, there, we, we were, I was sitting in the passenger seat. Our old guitar player, Steve, was driving. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a... I guess I'll call it a body. There was a body lying on the shoulder of the highway in the middle of nowhere, New Brunswick. It was like 35 degrees Celsius, super hot day, and there was someone lying on the shoulder of the road. So we went by. Oh, no, I was driving. I was driving. 
And we uh, asked Steve, I was like, should we stop? He's like, yeah, of course we should stop. And then, so anyway, we, we backed up and mm-hmm. Steve ran off to see if this person was okay. And as he got close to it, this, this young, I'd say he was about probably like 17 or 18 years old, stood up and started walking towards Steve, but you could tell he wasn't, wasn't too well. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Steve brought him in the van and he seemed pretty confused. And um, we fed him a bunch of water and, and these, <laughs> these cinnamon buns that had been floating around in the van for about two and a half weeks. And he ate like an entire package he of them. He ate like, yeah, probably something. about three or four pounds of cinnamon buns. Yeah. <laughs> Aged. Um, not even phased by how stale they were. <laughs> no, he was not phased by anything. He, uh, he, as he drank more water and ate, he kind of started coming to a little bit. Uh, he must have had heat stroke or something, but he was trying to walk from his dad's house to his mom's house and the, the distance was like 175 kilometers or something like oh, that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if there was any sort of substances involved in this decision, but... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, possible. it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. So we were, you know, just driving along and we we took him to uh, this town called Oromocto in New Brunswick and we asked him where his mom lived <laughs> and he said he didn't know, but that he'd be able to get there from his old school. So we just dropped mm-hmm. him off at this school, and he just kind of got out of the, the van and kind of ran away. <laughs> that was it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anthony. Never, never Anthony. saw him again. Yep. So, Anthony, if you're out there, we're thinking of you. <laughs> we <laughs> hope you're good. Just, send, just drop us a message letting us know you're okay. <laughs> he, le- he actually left such a legacy on us that uh, we ended up naming our van after him. And we called it Anthony the Brave. Because <laughs> <laughs> it takes a brave, brave soul to try and walk 175 yeah. kilometers wearing black jeans when it's 35 degrees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Godspeed, Anthony. No water, yeah, no plan. If, if, you're, if you're not on something, that, that, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> yes. All right, so you guys talk that you guys are a little bit into skiing and other things. What does Shred Kelly like to do when they're not in the studio, when they're not on the road? I really like to go skiing as much as possible. And I also really like cooking tacos. (laughs) (laughs) Solid. (laughs) Uh, I like uh, taking the time to to play music and experiment a little bit, because so much of the time on the road is spent... um, you know, doing interviews and mm-hmm. in the van, and then it's straight to sound check, and then it, you got to grab a bite to eat uh, before the set, and then you you end up only playing your instrument for the time that you you kind of have to. In the yeah. Day. So uh, I end up buying gear while we're on the road. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it, it turns into eight nine months before I can try it out again. So mm. when, when I get home, I like to spend time in the jam space, mm. just kind of exploring other ideas, maybe. Okay. Like, Ideas that might not even be, um, you know, based around Shred Kelly, but just yeah. uh, making sounds and figuring out my instrument more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm very similar to Ty there. And, well, I'm kind of a mix of both. I like uh, Fernie offers so much uh, in the along the lines of uh, outdoor recreation. So, mm-hmm. especially in the summer for me these days, I like to uh, just bought a, a mountain bike a couple of years ago, so I'm getting into that. But like Ty, I, I'm also a gearhead, and I, I love um, buying new guitar pedals and stuff like that. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's always, yeah, there's always another album on the horizon or something, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, 
I, my favorite thing to do is just uh, actually stay in and um, and just start playing with sounds and uh, mm-hmm. you never know if it'll become a song but yeah that's 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 pretty much my life <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah when I'm home um, well admittedly I'm a little bit of a workaholic so I just try to like work I, I don't take a lot of time off but when I do I just try to do like a bit of exercise and just catch up with friends mostly I just look really uh, while we're away I sort of miss hanging out with the people that I love the most who live in town so I just try to um, amidst the other the other stuff I'm doing just try to really see those people that I love and get to have some quality time with them before we head out on tour again. Fair enough. <laughs> it's it is you don't really get a lot of time for those people when you're on the road and everything else and they might feel neglected or Yeah, so I try to, to plan them. special things <laughs> for, for those loved loved ones when I'm in town and do mm-hmm. things with them whenever I can. Okay. Cool. So you guys aren't really a riff-based band. So is the name Shred Kelly more so a play on skiing then? <laughs> it kind of is, yeah. So it started off as a bit of a joke, um, even before we were a band. Um, I was living in Fernie with uh, with our original guitar player, Steve, and our original mm-hmm. drummer, uh, Ian. And we were all ski bum roommates. And um, we had to go to a Halloween party. Mm -hmm. And so we were um, getting ready. I dressed up as Twisted Sister that year, I think. Nice. And Ian was a deranged robot or something. And Steve was kind of stuck. He was like, I don't know what I'm going to be yet. Mm -hmm. It's not much of a costume guy. So being a... He's he's actually an Australian fellow. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Ned Kelly, but Ned Kelly's Mm -hmm. uh, sort of a... uh, legendary bush ranger outlaw from australia from the the old days of the country mm-hmm. and uh he's, he's famous because when they the when the law caught up to him in his gang they surrounded him in a cabin and he decided to take apart a wood stove and make armor and he came out shooting and they couldn't take him down and so in australia if you ever go there there's ned kelly everywhere but he it's like this like kind of mythical cartoon figure with with two guns and a stovepipe over his head mm-hmm. with a little eye hole cut out huh. and so he dressed up like that he had like this like cardboard stovepipe to go over his head and he had two toy guns but that's kind of all he had he didn't have like the rest mm-hmm. so he just didn't really look the part and so it was getting time for the party and um he was sort of stressed out and he's like, look, this costume hasn't come together. So we started just pulling together what we could find in our house. Mm-hmm. And of course, being ski bums, we had a lot of snowboard gear. Mm-hmm. So we added that to his costume. And uh, instead, we called him Shred Kelly instead of Ned Kelly. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then like a few months later, we played our first gig as a band. And like, um, it's actually, it was at the top of a, we, we played it as a three piece, just me, Steve and Ian at the top of the, the ski hill. Mm-hmm. Um, which was the Lost Boys Cafe, which is a little cafe at the top of the chairlift, and no no band had ever actually played up there before, so it was kind of a a, a thing the town was interested in doing a newspaper story about, and so uh, we got interviewed, and uh, it was our very first gig, and they said, okay, well, um, so for the for the paper, what's the name of your band? And we were just like, uh oh, we don't have a name, <laughs> and it was just the first thing that came up. The, Top of our head. We'll be Shred Kelly for this gig. (laughs) 
And that was it. That was it. Was sort of solidified into into time. Nice. It's a lot better than a lot of other bands' stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. There you go. All right. So we talked earlier about how you weren't really into like the um, bluesy sort of like bluesgrass type scene. Yeah. So who were your guys's say high school influences or the bands that like you grew up on? I think yeah, we have such a a large eclectic mix. I'll start it with mine. I um, I grew up in the '90s um, as a teenager in the '90s, and so I was of course uh, exposed to grunge and mm-hmm. punk and all that kind of stuff. So that was my thing. I think one of the the bands I looked up to the most was the Smashing Pumpkins. Um, and through the years, I, I loved. Weezer and you know Pearl Jam and all those you know classic bands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was me. Um, oh, and and then like lots of punk. I, I listened to um, which which I think actually there's a lot of, of punk in our in our music. Mm-hmm. So I listened to uh, like a lot of classic punk bands like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and the Clash, and then went into like sort of the '90s punk scene, which was No Effects and all those bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's that? I uh, listened to a lot of punk rock in high school as well. Same, same as Tim. No Effects and Rancid and The Clash. Ramones were kind of my favorite bands then. And then I really got into uh, like kind of Canadian indie rock in the early 2000s, like um, Arcade Fire when they first came out, and uh, uh, Wolf Parade has been a favorite of mine for a long time. Things like that. And then also classic music like Fleetwood Mac that I listened to with my mom. And... Uh, um, the Temptations, like old Motown and stuff. Anyway, it's it's pretty broad. I like a lot of different things, mm-hmm. but that's that's me. Yeah, I'm all over the place too, but probably got into it uh, with the grunge, and then moved on to uh, the classic rock and got into the, the Pink Floyd and that kind of stuff, which okay. led to the Grateful Dead, um, which I listen to a lot of still, mm-hmm. and uh, that turned into listening to a lot of the band Fish and going mm-hmm. and seeing them a lot. Uh, and I still listen to every show that they play nice. the next day or, hmm. or as it happens. But uh, I, I'm all over the place too. I like jazz, I like reggae, I like funk, or mm-hmm. bluegrass. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm also the same. I listen to a lot of uh, different things, but growing up, I listened to a lot of just what my parents were playing, and they were playing like a lot of um, Canadian, Canadian music, so a lot of Alanis Morissette and Tragically Hip. And Bare Naked Ladies were kind of like what I grew up listening to. And then uh, when I was a teenager, I um, started listening more to like the Postal Service and Death mm-hmm. Cab for Cutie and Metric. And then now, now, yeah, I like all sorts of things. It's cool touring and seeing so many bands because mm-hmm. it's so interesting what happens when you see a band live. It's like you love them so much more. So now a lot of the stuff that we listen to are bands that we've played with or watched at a festival that we've been at. And so it's kind of like those sort of become the things that we play in the van all the time. So mm-hmm. it's, um, but yeah, we all like a lot of different things. So it's good because we, we uh, yeah, usually we enjoy what most of the other members are playing. <laughs> sometimes we sometimes we all have a few picks that not everyone can agree on, but for the most part, we're pretty open. <laughs> okay. What was the first concert you guys went to? <laughs> Aerosmith. Really? Yeah. <laughs> are you serious? That's a good first concert. That I had no. I had, I, that's a, I had no idea. 
Mine. Sorry, that's my bank password too. If you ever try that. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> you just told Whoa. the world that. <laughs> Guess I'll change my bank yeah, password. Have to change that. <laughs> uh, my my first concert was um, at Canada's Wonderland, at Kingswood Theater, and it was um, the Spin Doctors with Soul Asylum and the Screaming Trees. <laughs> uh, mine was Bob Dylan. What? You win, but let me. <laughs> well, that was pretty good. But let me just checkmate there. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's a toss up. I, I went to see Millen Collin in Toronto when I was 14. My mom dropped me off and I tried to dress as cool as possible to go see this Swedish pop punk band that I thought was pretty cool. It was, it was fun. I, lo- I loved it. I thought I was pretty cool. <laughs> Actually, I take back what I said. My first real, I guess my first like concert concert was Aerosmith, but my first like show ever was, um, do you guys remember Monine? Yeah. Yes. Monine, they used to tour, they used to play like an all ages show in Kenora and no <laughs> other bands ever did that. So no one in Kenora could go watch any other bands except Monine. Every time they came through, they did an all ages show at the community center. So it would just be like a bunch of 15 year olds just moshing. That's, smart. <laughs> That's awesome. So Monine, I guess. That's my first. <laughs> okay, I'm jealous. I've never actually seen them live. They're <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was huge on them back in the day. All right, before I ask my last question to you guys, where can the listeners find you online, find your music, anything of that sort? We are on all streaming platforms <laughs> on the internet. So whatever your flavor is, we're on it. Are, um, we, are we on title? Maybe not title. Maybe that might be the only. Okay, we are on ninety nine point nine percent of all streaming platforms. For those of um, you who miss it, Tim pointed at the microphone when he said it. Yeah, that's you. That's you. Podcast world. Uh, so. Um, and then but, our website is www.shredkelly.com, and that has links to like our YouTube and all the other all the other stuffs. We're on Facebook. We're still on Facebook, even though. Everyone's, They're stealing our everyone's, information. Everyone's fleeing Facebook. Stay <laughs> yeah. on it. It's our only way to contact you. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they keep trying to make it harder and harder. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So what does the future hold for not only Shred Kelly, but the members of Shred Kelly? Mm. Oh, man. Uh, well, we just put out our latest record. So we mm-hmm. are uh, touring that at the moment. And um, so look out for more tours this summer coming up. We're doing lots of festivals, uh, which you can find on our website. Um, as for individually. I'm going to write a cookbook one day about tacos. Nice. <laughs> tour, 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 record, rinse, repeat. <laughs> I, could, I can only give you like an hour from now. I'm going to get like some coffee and a bagel, I think. <laughs> Tim, is Tim, old, Tim only ever thinks about <laughs> breakfast. We haven't given him breakfast yet, so he's unable to mm, process any other, yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts. I, I, just, I just live it in the moment. That's fair. <laughs> so, yeah, I can only give you my breakfast plans. So. <laughs> which, which he has not developed yet. <laughs> okay. He's so in the moment. He's going to put his shoes on. I'm going to put my shoes on and get, get to the van eventually. These guys are going to drive me somewhere. 
Um, they sound like your babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever said it. <laughs> um, I think one day, um, one day I'd really like to write a play. And at the moment, I'm torn between whether the play will be about a kids camp because when I grew up, my parents owned a kids camp, so I've got lots of material, mm-hmm. or a um, or a a spin class musical on the bike. <laughs> so those are the two options. Both really good ideas. So I may need to get the rest of the band to help me write the music for the spin class musical. I'm in. I've already got I, some ideas. Awesome. <laughs> I feel like you guys could also make an amazing music video out of that too. So. Yes. <laughs> spin class. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. Nice. <laughs> we are, you're hired. See you in June. All right. Awesome. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank you for, Thanks having, for having us. This was really fun. Right. Thank you, Tucker. Thanks, Tucker. Thanks, Tucker. Thanks Colton. <laughs> the Desert Tiger Podcast. All right, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview with the members of Shred Kelly just as much as I did. I had a lot of fun interviewing these guys. Obviously, Tucker had a blast himself. He was very happy to meet some new friends. You guys have met Tucker before in a few of our previous episodes. This might be his most prevalent episode though he was uh very excited to be a part of this journey with me and the members of shred kelly and i would like to thank tim sage jordan and ty for taking the time to stop by visit me and tucker to share the story of shred kelly They had played a show in Kamloops the night before over at the Blue Grotto, so I know that maybe they were a little bit tired, so I'm very happy that they were willing to make the Desert Tiger podcast a part of their journey, and like I said, I'm extremely thankful for them stopping in and sharing this story with us. And like I said, I hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as I did. And if you did, maybe you guys want to head on over and maybe pick up that new album, Archipelago. I hope I said that right. Um, I hope you guys, like, if you do want to check them out, buy some merch. They have some amazing hats. Like, they have this killer trucker hat. It's really cool. It's probably, like, my favorite hat ever right now. I got one myself so you guys know that it is probably the fresh shit around just based on that um like the new album is amazing all their albums amazing maybe you guys even want to just go check out their music videos like that music video for sing for the night check it out on youtube go right now check out shred kelly on youtube check out the sing for the night music video check out any of that other stuff follow them on social media any of that Check out their music on Spotify. Over, like, they've been streamed over a million different times, so you know other people are enjoying it. So what are you guys missing out on? And while you're checking out those videos, while you're following Shred Kelly on all the socials, the Instagrams, the Twitters, the Facebooks, you should also check out Desert Tiger on all three of those as well because you know that we're there. But if you truly want to stay on top of the podcast and you really want to help us out, 
the best way to do that is to hit subscribe. It helps us out so much. If you just hit follow on Spotify, if you hit subscribe on Google Play or CastBox or iTunes or Stitcher, if you're on our website, you can get our RSS feed directly from there so you can add it into your RSS feeds so you get the Desert Tiger podcast directly to that every single week. That's what helps us out the most. I mean, you can help out our sponsors as well, or you can share this episode or anything of that sort as well because, yes, that helps us out too, and I would really, really, really be in your debt if you did that but the best way is just to hit subscribe and to check out our previous episodes and to give us feedback tell us how we can improve tell us what you enjoyed tell us who you would like to see on the show that's the biggest one tell us who you want to see i am constantly emailing people literally like always emailing people So who do you guys want to see? Who do you want to hear? Let me know because I want to know what you guys want to hear because obviously you guys are enjoying what we're putting forward right now and I want to continue to do that. So help me help you. All right, so we've thanked Shred Kelly. We've thanked you guys, the listeners. I think now there's really only one thing to do and that's play a little bit of more music so if you're gonna go down you might as well die trying
The Desert Tiger Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thanks for listening.